Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study. Actually, it's the study in the Founding Fathers, though, today. And uh, the occult architecture of the Capitol building. And this is part two. Um, date is January 9th, 2011. And the next article is entitled, Bad News for Beck and Barton, the Founding Fathers were Antichrist. So I figured, you know, this is a, another article, kind of another step showing you what's really going on here. Probably wouldn't have been the way to start off this teaching. Kind of wanted to lay some groundwork here, and now we're going to get into a lot of the actual specifics regarding the Founding Fathers. Glenn Beck and David Barton have unknowingly been glorifying the New World Order. I don't want to say unknowingly. I believe their handlers know exactly, you know, the way and the direction they need to be pointed in and what they're doing. Maybe they're not fully, I don't know, but I believe they're aware of it. Um, so, they've been uh, uh, glorifying new, the New World Order, supporting Antichrist with their worshipping of the Founding Fathers. While Glenn Beck and David Barton are shouting that conservatives need to take back America, <clears throat> a Christian filmmaker asked the question, why take Take it back to what? A new documentary, The Hidden Faith of the Founding Fathers. Now, here's another one you can go look at. This information is just starting to pour out now regarding this particular subject. The Hidden Faith of the Founding Fathers explores what the founders of the American Revolution really believed about Christianity. And the evidence is less than encouraging. If you're a Christian, that is. The new film is the latest from an independent filmmaker, Chris J. Pinto. He's the guy that invented the Pinto bean. And also the Pinto car. The Pinto, no, just kidding, sorry. Anyway, who is known as the writer-director of the award-winning series Secret Mysteries of America's Beginnings. I believe those are the two links I just given previously as well. Pinto says, This newest work really brings together so much of the research we've been unfolding. It shows further how the United States was planning from the beginning to help launch a global society, a new world order, which is just exactly what we just talked about. Except, if you watch these documentaries, I mean, obviously, you're going to be seeing this stuff in vivid technicolor, and it's going to really, you know, they're going to do a lot better job than I'm going to do. Um, but I'm just kind of trying to point you in that direction. When asked what role the founders played in this global agenda, Pinto said, quote, they set forth the doctrine of religious freedom. Now, you wouldn't think that would be something he'd want to quote if he was trying to prove that they weren't if they were Antichrist, okay? Well, let's, let's read further. The doctrine had been designed by the Vatican and the Jesuit order, which is the, you know, the most probably wicked branch of the Catholic Church, the Jesuits. The doctrine of, I guess, religious freedom had been designed by the Vatican and the Jesuit order in England back in 1688, said Pinto. The real purpose was to empower the Church of Rome to be in a position to overthrow England. The English Protestants rejected the idea, but Rome manipulated the revolutionaries to write it into the U.S. Constitution. And this was a bad idea? They, they asked the question, quote, Only if you believe the Bible, Pinto says, most Christians in our country don't realize that the concept of religious freedom is not biblical. It is not an unalienable or unalienable right given by God. Nowhere in the Bible does God say that men have the right to worship whatever God they please. Think about that. Does God condone paganism? Which is what we're talking about here. Well, what are all these other religions if they're not true Bible-believing Christianity? 
They're false religions. All they're doing is leading people to the pit of hell. No big deal, right? I mean, they're just going to hell for eternity. Think about that. Every religion, apart from true Bible-believing Christianity, and I will not even put a denominational label on it, that that it preaches another gospel, and a lot of pseudo-Christian religions would fall into that, are taking people to hell and then the lake of fire for eternity. The most serious and direst of consequences, that's what they're doing. Why would God condone that? I mean, if we were really founded as a true Christian nation, why would God condone that? I'm not saying imposing our will on other people, but why would he condone other religions that, which is what you know, the Constitution does, that would take other people to hell? Religious freedom helped unite America against England, and today it is being used by the Vatican to join all the world religions into a united one world order. Think about it. That's what's going to ultimately unite all the religions into one. And most likely the Vatican is going to be at the very head of it. She's going to gather her chicks under her wings. She's considered the mother of of all the, all the other pseudo, pseudo-Christian religions, she's considered the mother. That's how, she, how the Catholic religion considers herself, of all the other Protestant type of religions. That's why I don't call myself a Protestant. I never have. Or I, at least I did at one time, but I don't anymore. Those, all those other religions were protesting the Catholic religion, and they were protesting, they came out of the Catholic religion. It doesn't mean they were perfect, that's for sure. But she's going to gather her chicks. She's going to gather the other religions as well, because they're all going to be able to get on the same. Uh, they're all going to be able to get on the same playing field, because they're going to have those lines, signs, and wonders and miracles to unite them all. To to say, okay, let's put let's let's put down the denominational barriers. Let's 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 not talk about what we don't agree on. Let's talk about what we agree on, because we we've we're going to go with our heart now, and our heart's telling us that this Antichrist and this false prophet, they're the real deal. The Bible says, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Matthew 24, 24. It's coming. Just a matter of time. Religious freedom helped unite America against England and is today being used by the Vatican to join all world religion into a united one world order. Pinto says the founders not only wanted a universal belief system, but also an end of the Bible bi- of Bible-based Christianity. See, Bible-based Christianity is exclusive and could never meld with this. So it would ultimately have to be done away with, right? Well, water down the Bibles, which started in 1881, essentially, when that revised version came out by the two high-level occultists, Westcott and Hort, who translated from two occult... Uh, corrupted Catholic manuscripts called the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus. And they gave us the revised version of 1881, which spawned virtually all the modern-day versions we have today that are all copywritten, whereas the King James Bible and any other place other than England is not copywritten. You can, but see that when they copyright something, they can make a ton of money off it. And they just keep watering down the Bible, watering it down and corrupting it even more. It was already corrupted from the beginning. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? 
So you corrupt the Bible, you, you, you have all these different denominations, you get them yoked up with the government through their 501c3 corporate status, so they can, all the parishioners can write their stuff off on, write their giving off on their, on their uh, IRS forms and make it tax exempt. Yoke up with the government. Bible says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what communion have righteousness with unrighteousness? But that's what the government, that's what all, the virtually 99.9% of all religious denominations in this country have done. They've yoked themselves up with the government. Now, if we haven't just proven already that the, the root, the, that the root of the government is pure Luciferianism, why would you want to yoke up with that? You yoke up as a 501c3 institution, that is what you're yoking up with. Now, what's happening to a church when they do this on a spiritual level? Do you see a lot of discernment in the church? Do you see a lot of hardcore preaching anymore? Do you see a lot of warning about these types of things? I mean, this is kind of major, don't you think, what we're talking about today? Oh, no, it's trivial. It's, it's come on, you need to lighten up. It's pretty serious, I think. Pretty serious. Pretty foundational, don't you think? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Hmm. Well, that's how they've they've been bringing about. They're, they're never going to accomplish it, but yes, their goal has ultimately be, be, been to bring about an end of Bible-based Christianity. Going further, it says the destruction of the gospel was the desire of men like Thomas Jefferson, along with John Adams, Thomas Paine. Pinto continues, by biblical definition, they were antichrists. By biblical definition, these men were antichrists. He that denieth a Christ, he is an antichrist. Now, uh, we're going to go ahead and watch the trailer to this um, DVD right now, or listen to it. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and just play, it's only about a three, uh, a little over a three minute clip here on the uh, trailer for the hidden faith of our founding fathers. One of America's most important founders was a man named Charles Thompson, who was said to have been closer to the events and people of the American Revolution than any other man of that era. Thompson was the Congressional Secretary from 1774 to 1789, all the way through the Revolution and the establishment of the federal government. He was also the man who made the final decisions for the design of the Great Seal of the United States, which can now be found on the back of America's dollar bill. As the new American Republic was being founded, Thompson made a detailed history of the events that took place during the Revolution and of the men who were being celebrated as heroes across the country. Though he was compelled repeatedly to publish this history, Thompson declined. No, he said, I ought not, for I should contradict all the histories of the great events of the Revolution. Let the world admire the supposed wisdom and valor of our great men. He said, I shall not undeceive future generations. 
As a result, Thompson eventually destroyed his manuscript and what may have been the truest account of the American Revolution was lost for all time. So this guy says, I shall not undeceive future generations. Well, if that account was never published, doesn't can't we then infer that all the basic modern history books regarding the uh, foundations of, of this country have been deception? He says, I shall not undeceive the future generations. Well, then that means we've We've essentially been deceived regarding the history of this country. It's just the way it's been. It hasn't changed. I mean, what a statement. I shall not undeceive future generations. Talk about no fear of God. It might be said that any serious investigation into America's history should begin with Thompson's story and his decision not to undeceive future generations. What did Thompson mean? What was he hiding? And since we are the future generation, what have we been deceived about? I believe it's so important that we as Christians expose this wicked uh, spirit of Antichrist among the founding fathers and not bring these guys into our churches and teach our children and our families and our brethren that these men were some kind of Christian heroes when they weren't Christian heroes at all. They were denying the gospel of our Lord. Uh, and so our battle is not its not a political battle. The reason that, you, that men like David Barton want to take the founders and go into churches and try to convince you that these guys were Christians is because they want you to become entangled in the politics of this world. And to get your eyes and your focus off the spiritual battle that the scriptures tell us is the real fight that we're in. Well said. So I provide you the link to the trailer to this movie. Uh, let's see if there's any other resources up here. I'm not 100% sure how you can actually watch the whole movie or purchase it, but uh, <clears throat> the link is there, and uh, I believe you'll be able to find it if, if you uh, look there. Just do a keyword search. So ironically, if this documentary was about people, Glenn Beck, uh, about people Glenn Beck hated, Instead of the people he idolized, it probably is safe to assume that Beck would eagerly embrace this film and set about booking Christian J. Pinto on his show. Okay, so he's they're they're kind of talking about, um, you know, the comparison of um, <clears throat> Christian Pinto research in regard to this particular subject, and if Glenn Beck hated. Um, if this documentary was about people Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck hated instead of the people he idolized, it is probably safe to assume Beck would eagerly embrace the film. So, but he's not going to embrace this film because he's idolized these founding fathers in particular. The Bible tells us that we are saved by God's grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. As such, this documentary is not a diatribe into the works or deeds of our founders. 
as to accuse them of some immoral acts. Instead, it is an examination of their faith. But what was their faith? What did these men actually believe about God, the Bible, and Jesus Christ? Incredibly, men like Jefferson, Adams, and others wrote extensively about Christian doctrine and teaching and the teachings of Scripture. We're going to give you a lot of these quotes. But what most Bible believers are unaware of is that these men were radically anti-Christ. Unfortunately, many professing Christians seem to seem to be abandoning the gospel in favor of, quote, conservative values, which allow for, quote, all faiths to be included that are willing to take a stand against, let's say, abortion, gay marriage, and the general wave of liberalism in the country today. See, just remember, you're yoking yourself up. Tea Party movement would probably be a great example of that. You're yoking yourself up with a lot of unbelievers. Okay? We have come to believe that this is the snare prepared by the devil to diminish the power and the preaching of the cross of Christ and render ineffective the church in our country. Sadly, the devil's tactics seem to be working, and the key instrument of that deception is the founding fathers of the American Revolution. Conservatives present these men as angels of light, who are exalted more highly than any apostles or prophets in our country today, quoting their great swelling words as if they were equal to the record of Scripture. What is devastating and diabolical is that the glow of faith said to emanate from these oracles is quite the opposite of what is presented in their own writings. See, that's where the rubber meets the road. What are their own writings indicating? What are they saying? Can we quote them? I mean, you know, by your words you're going to be justified and by your words you're going to be condemned, right? Well, we're going to look at that. In short, their own letters prove that many of the founders hated biblical Christianity and wanted to see the gospel destroyed. The letters in question are beyond dispute and can be found among many collections of the Founders' writings and in the Library of Congress. See, that's the way that you know this is true. You can verify it. You can verify it. These are not merely deists or agnostics or humanists, which we have come to believe are very deceptive terms, but were antichrists according to the word of the living God. We have further come to believe that Christians who prefer... To define these men in worldly terms, calling them deists or theistic rationalists, etc., do no service to the church or to an unbelieving world, since political correctness in matters of spiritual importance tends to lure the hearers into a place of uncertainty, whereas the holy scriptures give no uncertain sound as to how those who reject Christ are to be regarded. 1 John 2.22, Who is a liar? But he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist. That denieth the Father and the Son. Now we're not talking about the Antichrist, capital A. The Bible says he is Antichrist, little a. See, there's many Antichrists, the Bible says, but there's only one Antichrist, which is who's coming. The importance of this is seen in the reaction of those, even among believers, who become especially troubled at the hearing that the founders were, quote, quote, Antichrist. The initial thought is that such a term is too extreme. Quote, well, I would, wouldn't necessarily say that they were Antichrist, is a common reply. Or, they say, they just held a certain humanist ideas and did not believe in the divinity of Christ. Yes, but that is the spirit of Antichrist. The name Christ is not merely the last name of the man Jesus. The name Christ embodies the whole doctrine of who the promised Messiah is, according to the scriptures set forth by Moses and the prophets with the witness of the apostles. This is why John is in the second epistle to the church, tells us that one 
that one is, quote, a deceiver and an antichrist who abides not in the doctrine of Christ. 2 John 7 and verse uh, 7 and 9. So these people, these founding fathers are not abiding in the doctrine of Christ. Okay, And what does that make them? A deceiver and an antichrist. Furthermore, we also consider how Jesus said, quote, in John 12, 47 and 48, And if any man hear my words and believeth not, I judge him not. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. When the Lord returns, he comes with a two-edged sword in his mouth, by which he smites the nations, according to Revelation 19.15. That sword from his mouth is the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, according to Ephesians 6.17. In other words, when the Lord returns, he will not judge the nations according to his word, not according to secular not according to secular, he will judge the nations according to his word, I'm sorry. Not according to secular terminology. Uh, not according to the wisdom of man or the rules of this age, which come to nothing, according to 1 Corinthians 2.6. That is the wisdom of the founding fathers. It will ultimately come to nothing. But one might just as soon invest in Enron stock as the philosophies of Jefferson, Adams, Franklin, and Washington. You will find prosperity for a while, possibly, but in the end, you will be bankrupt, and only once, and only once it's too late, realize that you have been lied to. This is the place our country is reaching even today, as the wicked leaven of universalism, sown by the founding fathers through the U.S. Constitution, seems to produce more tares than wheat in the fields of the American harvest. It is our responsibility as believers to obey the Lord, to declare the wisdom of God, and teach men to observe all things that Jesus commanded, according to Matthew 28, 20, that through the words of God, men might know the truth. <clears throat> Malachi 2, 7 says, For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. If we accept that all who believe um, Christ are counted as priests under the new covenant, according to 1 Peter 2, 9, which it does say that, then it is our responsibility to communicate the words that God has given us to set forth the wisdom of God and not of man. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says, We speak not in the words which are man's wisdom, which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Our pastors tell us, well, the founders spoke of God as divine providence, and they believed that God was active in the affairs of men. They were just influenced by the Enlightenment and could not see Jesus as the divine Son. This is often offered as an apologetic excuse of their unbelief, and gives Christians, not to mention unbelievers, the false hope that perhaps these men went to heaven in spite of their rejection of the gospel. Again, such ambiguity is unknown in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Know ye not that unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived. And then 2 Thessalonians 1.7-9 says, When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flame and a fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. End of quote. So, let's go a little bit further here. The church in secret societies is perhaps the first, um, is perhaps the first, actually this is another documentary. It's called The Church in Secret Societies. Um, I don't know if this is the same one or not. 
Church and Secret Societies, The Hidden Faith of Our Founding Fathers, um, is perhaps the first and only documentary to go where no film has gone before, into the hidden faith of the founding American fathers. Many founders were involved in secret societies, and yet it is often claimed that these men were Christians who were trying to build a Christian nation. But was their faith the true faith of the Bible? And is it possible, as some claim, that the exact opposite is true? What did the founders believe about the person of Jesus Christ? Were they fighting for Christianity or against it? Moreover, is it possible that the events of the American Revolution have a much darker significance in the pages of Bible prophecy than most church leaders are aware? Charles Thompson was the Secretary of the Continental Congress and was the man responsible for the final design of the Great Seal of the United States, which is clearly, clearly occult, pagan, and Luciferian. He was said to be more familiar with the events and the people surrounding the American Revolution than any other man of his era. He spent years documenting the history of the war for independence, knowing many details which had escaped others. Though encouraged to publish his remarkable history, he chose to destroy it. I would imagine there was a lot of encouragement by those in the Illuminati as well. And he said, and we read this quote, or we heard this quote earlier, he said, I, quote, I shall not undeceive future generations. What a quote. What was Thomas hiding, and how has it affected the church in America today? Included in the DVD is The Faith of Thomas Paine, the man who inspired the American Revolution. I mean, what a devil he is, or was. Uh, I've talked about him in the past. The Faith of Thomas Jefferson, the author of the Declaration of Independence. The Faith of John Adams, the second president of the United States. The Faith of Benjamin Franklin the only man to sign all the founding documents, the faith of George, Wa- George Washington, known as the father of our country, <clears throat> confronting David Barton's fabled view of American history, showing from his own writings the air of his teachings, that's another part of the DVD, and how secret societies have worked to change the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also, patriotic Christianity, its role in dominionism, and the building of the new world order. Dominionism, which I've done teachings on, is essentially where there's a sect of the church, a lot of hyper-Pentecostal uh, influence typically, where they believe that they're going to literally usher in they're, they're going to usher in the rule and reign of Christ, that there's not going to be a, a seven-year tribulation, that they're going to be so good and so wonderful that they're literally going to usher in Jesus Christ, and he's going to have to come back to rule and reign on the throne from earth, essentially. This is what they believe. And this is where, you know, Sarah Palin has a lot of ties into that dominionism thing. She comes out of a Pentecostal background as well. And um, it's, you know, it's pretty pretty crazy stuff. And then the prophetic implications of the church being used to build the kingdom of Antichrist. See, a lot of, a lot of uh, the church is actually working with the Antichrist, to usher in the New World Order. And they're not even aware that they're doing it. They think that they're doing something possibly patriotic, good, you know, godly or whatever, and they're actually doing the exact opposite of it. Chris Pinto produces an outstanding DVD of the same fine quality as the Secret Mysteries of America's Beginning series, which is the ones I I quoted earlier. I mean, amazing stuff. Now, I give you also the link here to my teaching I did on the Masonic history of George Washington, um, which actually I found out quite a bit more stuff since I did the teaching. That was years ago. And I'm going to give you some of the updated stuff tonight. 
just to kind of bolster what we're talking about here. Um, this next article is uh, Faith of Our Founding Fathers. It's very confirmatory to what we just talked about. No one disputes the faith of the Founding Fathers. To speak of unalienable rights being endowed by the Creator certainly shows a sensitivity to uh, spiritual aspect. What is surprising is that when fundamentalist Christians think the Founding Fathers' faith had anything to do with the Bible, without exception, the faith of the Founding Fathers was deist and not theist. It was the best expressed earlier in the Declaration of Independence when they spoke of the laws of nature and nature's God. These are quotes from the Declaration of Independence. In a sermon of October 1831, Episcopalian minister Bird Wilson Wilson said, Among all of our presidents from Washington downward, not one was a professor of religion, at least not more than that of Unitarianism. The Bible... Here's what our founding fathers wrote about Bible-based Christianity. Thomas Jefferson. These are quotes. I have examined all the known superstitions of the world, and I do not find in our particular superstition of Christianity one redeeming feature. They all, they are all alike founded on fables and mythology. This is what he's talking about Christianity. Why isn't this in all the, the history books? He wrote it. Millions of innocent men, women, and children since the induction of Christianity have been burnt, tortured, fined, and imprisoned. Nothing, the vast majority of what he's talking about there is we can thank the Catholic Church for. Okay, There were even certain Protestant sects that split from the Catholic religion that did burn and torture people. But nothing on the scale, nothing on the scale of what the Catholic devil cult, white witchcraft, pagan religion did. Nothing could even compare. So I love it when devils like Jefferson lump all Bible-believing Christianities in the same boat when the Catholics would have been after the true Bible-believing Christianities the most. That would have been public enemy number one. And yet he has the audacity because he's so... He's such an idiot, I guess. I don't know what else to say. That he would actually make this totally asinine statement and lump all Christians, Bible-believing, and Catholics aren't Christians, but he lumps all of them together into the same pot and condemns them all. My, my word to him is, how convenient. New Agers do the same thing. People that hate Christianity all do the same thing. It's the same old, tired line I hear over and over and over again. And here I'm one of the biggest people that would be, that would be pointing right to the Catholic religion, because they did do that, 50 million people during the Inquisition alone at least. 50 million people. All in the name of the Catholic cult, death religion. And to lump true Bible-believing Christianity and Christians into that, who were one of the chief targets of that, is beyond unfair. But it's convenient for them. And then he goes on to say, what has been the effect of this coercion of Christianity? To make one half the world fools and the other half hypocrites. To support roguery and the air over all the earth. So, I, you know, again, Thomas Jefferson, you know, he's got it all figured out. 
is essentially what he is. He just, with one broad brush, just condemns all of Christianity, puts them all in the same pot, and that way he can sweep it aside, and his conscience doesn't have to be bothered. But you know what, Thomas Jefferson? When you were dropping into hell, when you died, you realized the error of your ways. I guarantee you. Probably within about five seconds of you dropping dead. You realize the error in your ways. Now, how many people did Thomas Jefferson send to hell? Because people elevated him to a godlike status. And people followed the man. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. That was that quote was from Six, six Historic Americans by John E. Remsburg. Um, oh no, this next part is from Six Historic Americans. John E. Remsburg, letter to William Short. And he says... Jefferson says in this letter, Christianity has become the most perverted system that ever shone on man. Rogueries, absurdities, and untruths were perpetuated upon the teachings of Jesus by a large band of dupes and importers, led by Paul, the first great corrupter of the teaching of Jesus. Wow, they had that whole Paul the Usurper movement way back in Jefferson's time. The whole movement today called Paul the Usurper. You can email me, and I'll I'll, I'll give you the uh, the uh, word document that refutes it. It's a whole well. It's just their excuse to just throw out a gigantic portion of the Bible. And hey, if you're going to do that, what what part of the Bible can we trust? Well, you can't trust any of it. That's what it implies. It's exactly what it implies. You can't trust any of it. So you got to throw the whole thing out. You throw out all the things Paul wrote. Well, isn't that going to make you question everything else? Sure. And that's exactly why they do it. That's exactly why the devil started it. More, Jefferson says, quote, The clergy converted the simple teachings of Jesus into an engine for enslaving mankind and adulterated by artificial constructions into a contrivance of flick wealth and power to themselves. These clergy, in fact, constitute the real Antichrist. Oh, so we're going to go to the Antichrist and he's going to give us the definition of what it means to be Antichrist. Well, that's the pot calling the kettle black. That's the fox guard in the hen house there, if I ever saw it. What was Jefferson's word for the Bible? One word, dunghill. This should get you mad. You know, this should, this should cause you to be mad. Righteous indignation. Be ye angry and sin not. But we're taught, oh, Je- he was this honorable, wonderful man. No, he wasn't. He was nothing more than a devil. John Adams, he says, quote, Where do we find a precept in the Bible for creeds, confessions, doctrines, and oaths, and whole carloads of other trumpery that we find religion encumbered with in these days? Adams also said, The doctrine of the divinity of Jesus is made a convenient cover for absurdity. Adams signed the Treaty of Tripoli. Article 11 of that treaty states, The government of the United States is in not any sense founded on the Christian religion. Sounds like Obama. During almost 15 centuries, okay, here's more quotes from Adams. During almost 15 centuries, has the legal establishment of Christianity been on trial? What has been its fruits? More or less, in all places, pride and indolence in the clergy. Ignorance and servility in the laity. Now, again, notice, I believe there's always heavy reference to the Catholic Church here. Okay, so they just love to say Christianity is Catholicism and it is nothing, it is the polar opposite of Christianity. 
It's, it's what the Bible talks about even in Revelation, the doctrine of, of the Nicolaitans. The clergy over the laity. Okay? Which is essentially what that doctrine of Nicolaitans means. But in more or less in all places, pride, er, er, pride and indolence of the clergy, ignorance and servility of the laity. That's the Catholic Church. I mean, they wouldn't even let him read the Bible up until, you know, not too long ago. I mean, I understand hundreds of years, but still. They didn't have access to the Bible. They wanted to keep them in total ignorance, the laity, the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which the Lord Jesus Christ says in his words that he hates. But these men are so willingly ignorant and so unlearned, these wonderfully smart founding fathers, that they make these asinine statements that they cannot substantiate, and if they would can compare them to Scripture, they would quickly fall apart. But they don't want to do that. It's just more convenient for them to write this way and to just utter these profoundly ignorant statements. Biblically ignorant. So, let me read part of this again. More or less in all places, pride and indolence of the clergy, ignorance and servility in the laity, in both superstition, bigotry, and persecution. In no instance have the churches been guardians of the liberties of the people. Religious bondage shackles and debilitates the mind and unfits it for every noble enterprise. So that's what Adam said. What influence, in fact, have Christian ecclesiastical establishments had on civil society? In many instances, they have been upholding the thrones of public of political tyranny. That's true for the Catholic Church. True. In no instance have they been seen as the guardians of the liberties of the people. That could be said about the Catholic Church, true. Rulers who wish to subvert the public liberty have found in the clergy convenient auxiliaries. In a just government instituted to secure and perpetuate liberty does not need the clergy. Well, they sure don't need the Catholic Church. That's true. But if you want to have a godly society, you better believe you need the church. Because it's not going to come from the first church of Satan, or from Catholicism, or from Buddhism, or from Taoism, or from Mormonism, or any of those other isms. It's true Bible-believing Christianity. That is what would create a just society. Where you could have true liberty in Christ, but don't use your liberty for an occasion of the flesh, as the Bible talks about. But yeah, um, oh, that last quote, I'm sorry, that was from James Madison. Where I started, what influence have, in fact, have Christian ecclesiastical establishments had on civil society? And that's Jay Madison, uh, American president. He lived from 1751 to 1836. I mean, all these guys are in hell now. Every one of them. Unless they got saved on their deathbed. And I don't see a whole lot of indication that that ever happened. I'm not saying it couldn't, but it's a lot unlikely. The more you go through your life, this is why most people that get saved, there's a much higher likelihood when you get saved when you're younger. Why? Because typically when you're younger, you're less hardened, you're less prideful, uh, you don't have probably as many demons as you're going to have when you're 70 or 80 because you've had a whole lifetime, particularly if you've rejected Christ, you've had a whole lifetime to harden yourself, become hardened to sin. You, probably, you might have had several opportunities. 
And the Spirit of God doesn't, is not always going to strive with man. You don't just have infinite amount of opportunities to get saved. Unless the Holy Spirit is there to draw you, you don't get saved at all. Period. So even if you have the intention of getting saved on your deathbed, it doesn't mean you're, it's going to happen. You know? You think you're just going to do it your way and get saved on your deathbed? And a lot of people tried that, and they find that on their deathbed they can't get saved. I've went over that in the past. They can't do it. They want to, but they can't. Here's Thomas Paine. He said, quote, I would not dare to dishonor my creator God, who's Satan, essentially, by attaching his name to that book, the Bible. That's what Thomas Paine said. This guy is probably the worst of the bunch, Thomas Paine. Whenever I hear anybody who's a Christian quoting Thomas Paine, I, I just, I get so offended. I mean, what? Have they read his writings? Did they see how Christ-hating this devil was? Here's another quote from Thomas Paine. Among the most detestable villains in history, you could not find one worse than Moses. Here is an order attributed to God to butcher the boys, to massacre the mothers, and to debauch and rape the daughters. Where's this guy coming up with this garbage? I would not dare to dishonor my creator's name, and again, I say that's Satan, by attaching to his, to this filthy book, the Bible. That's what Thomas Paine says. Here's another quote from him. It is the duty of every two deist to vindicate the moral justice of God against the evils of the Bible. These men were total antichrists. It's not even debatable. I give you the links if you want to read the quotes. They're out there. Not, not, not hard to find. There's this one soap, that Dr. Bronner soap. Don't ever buy that garbage. I bought it like one or two, and then I was like in the shower one day, and I was like reading the label as I was taking a shower, and I got so angry, I thought I was going to come unglued. I mean... The quotes on there by Thomas Paine, this Dr. Bronner soap they sell, it's like a natural soap. You cannot believe how New Age and Christ-hating these quotes are. And they're right on the bottom. They're in ultra-small print. I believe those bought, that, you, you buy one of those, you buy a curse. Because that guy was an antichrist. These founding fathers were a reflection of the American population, having escaped from the state-established religions of Europe. Only 7% of the people in the 13 colonies belonged to a church when the Declaration of Independence was signed. Do not confuse Christianity with the founding of America. Our founding fathers, at best, were spiritually confused men, mostly unbelievers, who frequently voiced disdain and contempt for the word of God. Okay, so what's deism? Just so you know. In the philosophy of religion, it is the standpoint that reason and observation of the natural world without the need for organized religion can determine that a supreme being created the universe. But it's not going to point you necessarily, though, to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have whatever. You can say Mother Gaia. You can say whatever you are or attribute this. It's also, you could refer to this as existentialism. Meaning your experience is what guides you. Your observation and the reason that you have of the natural world. It is, if that's not 
Proverbs 14, 12, I don't know what is. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end of the ways of death. You essentially have your own religion, which is what a lot of people do. Up until the time when my parents got saved, that's what they did. Well, I believe this, and I believe that God wouldn't send us to hell, and I don't think there's a hell, and I don't believe... <laughs> so you're willing to risk your soul on some thought that got put in your head by Satan because you don't want to answer to a holy God. That's really what it boils down to. You don't want to take a good look at yourself. You don't want to believe that you need a savior in order to save your soul. You want to believe in your own, you want to do your own thing. Well, you've just invented your own religion. A lot of people do it. It's essentially deism or existentialism. A lot of people do it. It's going to take a lot of people to hell. So, going further, many of these men, these founding fathers, were cult members, such as George Washington and Benjamin Franklin. America was indeed founded by Freemasons who had the purpose of achieving a new world order in mind. This is amazingly and accurately evidenced in the book Legions of Satan by Jonathan Williams of 1781. It's a book written in 1781 about this in which he quotes British General Cornwallis as having said to George Washington after losing the Revolutionary War to him. Get this quote. He said, quote, A holy war will now begin on America when it is ended, I guess the war. America will be supposedly the citadel of freedom, but her millions will unknowingly be loyal subjects. Your churches will be used to teach the Jews' religion. Interesting. And less than in, in less than two hundred years, the whole nation of America will be working for divine world government. Oh my word! Cornwallis said this to Washington when, the, in less than two hundred years, the whole nation of America will be working for divine world government. See, a lot of the churches, as we've stated, are working toward that. Dominionism is more of an outward expression of that. But, I mean, they are. I mean, think about it. Are they being salt and light? Are they are they really striving, for the most part, the 501c3 corporate church denominations of America? Are they really striving, I mean, to win as many souls as possible and point people to the Lord Jesus Christ and point them to the true word of God? Or are those churches... Motivated in a different direction? Are they leavened? Are they Have they brought in all manner of worldly things? Are they yoking up with the government? Are, are they yoking up with the coming one world religion? Are they putting denominational barriers down and starting to unite all in one? Are they letting the emerging church come into their, all the new psychobabble into their churches? Are they letting witchcraft into the churches? I mean, it could go on and on and on here. Yes, they are. Well, then they're working toward the New World Order. And that's what Cornwallis said. And he said, in less than 200 years. When was that said? In 1781. What would that put us? Well, if you go to 1980, you know, you can go before that, in less than 200 years. I really believe when they they started corrupting the Bible versions and the corporate 501c3 church started coming in, which was, you know, 1940s, around there when the IRS gave that carrot to the churches. Hey, come on, be tax exempt. You can be tax exempt. All your parishioners can write it off. Just yoke up with the government. We'll give you your 501c3 corporate status. Everything will be great. 
Oh, what happened to the church from a spiritual level when that took place? I don't know, but I guarantee you it wasn't good. And it's only gotten worse since then. Woo! He was right. Cornwallis was right. That's some heavy-duty stuff there. He said this to Washington. All, then, then, then he says, all religions will be permeated with Judaism. Man, how many teachings have I done on the Hebrew Roots Movement? I haven't done one on the Seventh-day Adventists yet. Or all those people that want to keep the Sabbatarian and all that other stuff. I haven't done one on them. I, it's, it, I really want to, but with all the breaking current events, it's very hard. But I see so many different pseudo-Christian religious sects now permeating with this Hebrew Roots with the roots of Judaism in there. And I don't mean Bible-believing Old Testament type. I'm talking bondage. I'm talking about, you know, the bondage that Christ delivered us from. Christ is the end of the law to them that believe, is what the Bible says. It doesn't mean we go around and sin, sin like crazy and use our liberty for an occasion of the flesh. But if you think that keeping the law is going to keep you saved then you've just turned salvation into a workspace salvation. And I've done whole studies on this. I don't even want to say anything more about that. I'm not saying this gives us a liberty to sin either, as I've said. But all religions will be permeated with Judaism. Imagine that. And then he goes on to say, without even being noticed by the masses, I have seen more and more and more of this permeation of this Hebrew roots stuff and Judaism, and the whole Sabbatarians. I mean, the Seventh-day Adventists teach that if you worship on Sunday, it's the mark of the beast. Well, okay, well then I guess a lot of people are just damned to hell forever then, because once you take the mark of the beast, how do you untake it? Well, if, if you stop worshiping on Sunday, and you get you get what the Seventh-day Adventist cult that started around you know the late 1800s with, with a lot of other cults, which is the same time that a lot of these other, the false Bibles came into being, the revised version of 1881 is kind of a coincidence there. I believe it's the start, or coinciding with the start of the Laodicean church era, that the Bible talks about in Revelation 3. You have, you have the Jehovah Witnesses, you've got the Mormons, you've got the Seventh-day Adventists, they're all starting around the late 1800s. All these other pseudo-pagan, pseudo-Christian cults starting. I don't think there's any accident there. Start of the Laodicean church era. And they're all, you know, they all all got their their own belief system that's real dogmatic. What about all the people that didn't exist before their cult started, or or that existed before their cult started, and didn't know about the Seventh-day Adventist cult, or the Jehovah Witness cult, or the Mormonism cult, or the Hebrew Roots Movement cult? Well, I guess they all went to hell because they didn't have that knowledge, right? What audacity. What audacity these these cult religions have. And there are so many devils now, I can't keep up with it all. And I don't mean to say that I think I'm whatever. I point people to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. I don't point people to myself. I tell people, don't follow me, don't listen. If I can direct you in the right direction, praise the Lord. If I tell you to pray, fast, get in the Word of God, pray, live holy, get a King James Bible in the English-speaking language if you're English, Stay there. Don't follow me. That's why I point people. I don't point them to a denomination or a man. Not to say I couldn't direct somebody to a particular ministry if I thought they could help them. 
But I'm telling you, it's it's getting bad, and I cannot keep up with all the heresy. And all these people up on the internet that have their own little niche doctrines that, that supposedly only God showed them. Oh, so you're so special that God just showed you this one truth. And it's usually something like that hinges on salvation. So I guess everybody else that went before you is all going to hell. Or, or were totally clueless. You're so special that, um, you know, everybody that didn't know the supposed truth that God showed, supposedly God showed you, they're, they're either going to burn in hell or they're going to really be hampered. Boy, I tell you what, that is some serious pride. Serious pride. I'm just trying to make things simple for you to understand. You know, people want to get all wrapped up in this cult doctrine or that cult doctrine or whatever. All these things, these new. The Bible talks about this. Talks about ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth and swept away by every wind of doctrine. And a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. And the Bible talks about don't don't. Basically, don't consort with those that are given to change. The Lord God says, I am the Lord, I changeth not. His word is not going to change. So don't, don't hang around people, don't be around people, don't, if, if they're not lined up with the word of God, don't, don't be around them, don't, because they're going to influence your thinking pattern. If they're subject to change, if they're double-minded, if they're swept away and around with every wind of doctrine, which is like really what Pentecostals remind me of, and listen, I've been there, done it. Don't be around them. If you have to isolate yourself from them, I'm sorry. Well, the Bible says forsake not yourself, assembling yourself together with the brethren. I know, but we're not to be united in air. It's better to be divided in truth than united in air. Thank you, Mark. Mark Afanos. He sent me that quote. I like that quote. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. Uh, We don't want to be united in air. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition, reject. If you're around somebody who's a heretic, meaning they're preaching another gospel, or another Christ, or some other cult doctrine, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition, reject. If you see your brother overtaken in an air, go to such an one in a spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. And the Bible also talks about in Matthew where, you know, take, you know, two witnesses with you, and if he doesn't receive it, you know, take a third and bring him before the church and these types of... But generally speaking, nowadays, you can't even find a church that's biblical to take them to. Most of the time, the first one you'd have to start with as far as purging the church out would be the pastor. (laughs) I mean, that's the state of affairs we're in. I'm not saying this as a blanket statement on every single church, okay? but I'm saying for the most part. So it's, it's a lot of things that the Bible says to do in those regards. It's hard to do because you're not in the church or you're in some apostasy filled church. It's sad. But... It's the way it is. It's the leaven that's permeated. So, Cornwallis says all religions will be permeated with Judaism without even being noticed by the masses and it will be under the universal all-seeing eye of the grand architect of the Freemasonry. That's what Cornwallis told Washington at the end of the Revolutionary War. 
All religions will be permeated with Judaism without even being noticed by the masses. And it will be under the invisible, all-seeing eye of the grand architect of Freemasonry. The grand architect of the universe. Lucifer, essentially. Horus. Osiris. Jabulon. Whatever you want to call them. And look at what's on the back of our $1 bill. The invisible, all-seeing eye on the uncapped pyramid. This goes on to say, and so it is today. The New World Order is taught here, being formed under the pretense of a bogus war on terror. Zionism is taught in most of our churches, and never a word word of criticism is spoken against this blasphemous Jewish religion of Judaism or the vile Talmud, which I've got into in very uh, great length in times past. We gave you quotes from the blasphemous Talmud, particularly the Babylonian Talmud, which permits priestly sex with three-year-old girls. Yeah, the Talmud permits that. It also calls Jesus things that are not even fit or proper to say in this teaching. That's what Judaism teaches. And then you have the Kabbalah at the top of that, which even supersedes the Talmud, which is the highest form of Jewish witchcraft you could ever possibly get into. Does that mean I throw all the Jews out like the baby with the bathwater? They're all wicked, they're all evil? No, not at all. Let's just have biblical balance. I'm talking about the rabbis of Judaism and all sects of that. Typically, you're dealing with some real wicked stuff there. Really, really Jesus Christ hating stuff. One need look no further than the $1 bill to find the all-seeing eye of the grand architect. Cornwallis was correct. The side irony is that is that 99.9% of people are woefully ignorant to these truths. Truth is certainly stranger than fiction. Today, just as hundreds of years ago, in 1776, our nation's leaders worship and speak praise of a God who is not the God of the Bible. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, end part two there. We'll go to part three next.